right, my friends of struggle, my uh, man children, welcome back. It's been a little minute, I know that, because you know what? Because this isn't the full-time thing I do, and you didn't hear any sponsorships before this thing started, uh, so there's nobody paying me to do this. So we're just doing it because it's the right thing to do. And I don't even know what that means, all right? But I know it's fun, and uh, I hope you've been listening, all right? Not going to dilly and dally and waste a bunch of time. We got A.J. Hawk. That's right. The 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 12-year NFL vet turned uh, uh, media uh, sensation. All right. He's got a show daily. You check him out on YouTube with Pat McAfee, the phenomenon of sports uh, broadcasting that's taking place. You know, Barstool changed the game, and, and uh, McAfee and uh, our guy here, AJ, was changing the game. And so here's the deal. Here's the history uh, with AJ Hawk. If you it, played uh, at Ohio State as a linebacker uh, under Jim Trussell, won a national championship as a freshman, uh, was part of that long-haired linebacker crew uh, with Bobby Carpenter and uh, uh, Anthony Schlegel, who's one of my favorite human beings. Um, those guys became kind of college football lore, folklore, and then played 12 years in the NFL, uh, 10 in, with, for the Green Bay Packers, won a Super Bowl, and then for one weird, magical year, the, the universe aligned. I was uh, assisting in the strength and conditioning program for the Cincinnati Bengals in 2015, and in a free agent deal, Mr. Hawk comes back to his home state of Ohio, about 40 minutes south of where he's from, uh, there in Centerville, Ohio, to play for the Cincinnati Bengals. And we rattled off eight wins in a row, or eight no. Uh, our quarterback hurts his thumb late in the season. We play at the backup, A.J. McCarron, the former Tide uh, national champion, Alabama quarterback. He, he comes in, does a great job. We go to the playoffs. We play the arch nemesis, the dark side, the Pittsburgh Steelers, and in the most heartbreaking, unbelievable, gut-wrenching game that's probably ever been played in the NFL playoffs happens, and I stood there and watched it in real time right next to uh, to AJ. So we talk about some of our favorite uh, Bengals stories, some of our favorite, uh, some of his favorite Aaron Rodgers memories and, and Green Bay Packer memories and just what he's up to now. Uh, as fun as he is to talk to and listen to and, and hear some of those unbelievable stories. Uh, he's, even, he's even a better human being and person. Uh, really, really grounded, humble guy that knows uh, the type of parent you are to your children and the type of man you are uh, to your wife is, is how you're measured more than anything else. He rolls his eyes at all the accolades and praise that professional athletes get and how ridiculous uh, this monster of uh, athletics is in our country. But uh, he has a platform and he knows it and he uses it and uh, he does some really good stuff with it. And I hope you enjoy this conversation to one of my favorite people, my friend, AJ Hawk on the Man Child Podcast. Let's go. What you know about me? What you know about child? What you know about struggle? 
right. Welcome back or welcome to the Man Child Podcast. I have on the show, if you want to call it a show, the inspiration to why we even got into podcasting, the the man, the, the Ohio myth, the, uh, <laughs> and I, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and say, I don't know if you would say this to people in public, my friend, A.J. Hawk, the legendary football player and now uh, broadcaster and uh, a, a man of many, many, many talents. AJ, thank you for being on the Man Child Podcast. Of course, Luke. Yes, you, my friend Luke, you could say that. I, uh, I feel like, um, yeah, I think it's awesome you're doing this, especially when you're full-time strength coach at Marshall and undefeated team at the time of this recording. And, uh, yeah, I think we had a, I had a fun year. I played in Cincinnati for one year, and, and you were on the staff there. And, um yeah, we've stepped. In, we've kept in touch ever since, and it's been. Uh, you've had a fun, weird journey too since uh, since your time in Cincinnati. Yeah, weird is a great way to put the majority of things that have happened uh, in my life, and that was a that was a very strange and fun year. We were rocking and rolling. We we were together with the Bengals. I mean, I remember we were like eight and zero before we lost the game there, and people were like, the "Bengals are finally going to go to the Super Bowl," and then. Just in the most unbelievable things that that playoff game with the Steelers, just and you can't even make up what happened there. But uh, the rest is history. <laughs> yeah, that's that's what uh, uh, ended my time in Cincinnati. I was there for one season, and you know it's we. So yeah, for people that don't know, I guess people don't re- won't have a hard time, I guess, remembering like specifics. But a lot of people will remember like, oh, remember when the Bengals got knocked out of the playoffs and they had like 60 yards and penalties in one play. Yeah. Oh, that was the year. Yeah. I was on that team. Like yeah, that's how there, people know there that. was there were coaches <laughs> that were coercing Bengals <laughs> players to commit more personal fouls to get even closer into uh, it's and, Everybody that remembers A.J. Hawk, the football player, remembers A.J. Hawk, the Green Bay Packer. So, obviously, this was uh, after that stint and you were there. The, the number one thing I remember well, about that game is, you remember, Vontez blew off Roethlisberger's shoulder. Like, knocked him out. I'm like, we're going to win mm-hmm. the game because he's done. And then McCarron is the quarterback because uh, – uh, Andy had broke his thumb a few weeks before, and I'm like, we're just going to put this thing away, and then Jeremy Hill puts the ball on the ground, and I look directly across the field. He's lined up across, like literally across the straight line of the 25-yard line, and Roethlisberger just starts like moving his arm around <laughs> like yeah. to come back in, and I'm like, oh, we're screwed. He's going to go, and he's going to do what he's done to this franchise for a decade, and he did it. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, it was it was a tough one for Cincinnati fans, especially. And I I grew up a Bengals fan, so I was on the team at the time, and it was uh, yeah, it was not a fun way to end the game. We had so many chances to win that game, and you're right, we were rolling that year, man. We Andy Dalton was actually Andy was on pace, kind of having an MVP type season before he broke his thumb, unfortunately for him. But yeah, it was a a different time for me. I spent nine years in Green Bay and just one in Cincinnati. It was definitely a lot different than Green Bay, but it was also there's a lot of good things about it, and it was a lot of fun too. Like I, I really enjoyed my time. Yeah, we I, I had a blast. I had a blast hanging out with you. Uh, do you still have your pith? 
<laughs> I do have my piss. I actually think about you when I when I find that thing, or someone, uh, someone like all of a sudden one of my kids comes up in the basement wearing a, this giant piss. I guess for your for your audience, you might want to explain what a piss yeah, is because uh, I I did not know at the time until you I, made me aware. <laughs> I'd like for the listener to know a piff is affectionately uh, called like a, if you were wear a, a helmet and on a safari. Usually they're tan in nature. Uh, they're 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 like a brimmed Panama Jack type hat, but but molded into a helmet, and they have like a chin strap that's usually not down. It's wrapped around the top, the front of the brim. And I rem- the reason why this became something you had purchased you and I a pith because Pac Man Jones is one of his posse walked into the Bengals locker room with a pith on. <laughs> I can't say it. It's so stupid. Uh, that that encapsulates a lot of the experience there. Well, first, yeah, I, I'm so happy you reminded me exactly of why the pith became uh, a thing with us, I guess. But I do remember, yeah, Pac-Man, it was his, he was driving his sprinter van. I know that. That's I don't know exactly what the guy's title might have been. He was a bit older, and he came strolling through the locker room. And I do remember you came up behind me, and you like, grabbed me or something. You're like, you see that? That dude's wearing a pith. And I was like, what the hell is a pith? I had no idea, really. And I looked, and I was like, what? First off, who is that guy? And I've never seen anyone non-ironically just wearing a piss cruising around an NFL locker room. Like, it was just absurd. Yeah, unless you're one of the guys that help out, like, Jack Hanna on the Letterman show and he comes in with, like, the Lion (laughs) Cubs. You don't wear that and just be deadpan serious, but that guy was. He was. He was. Yeah, I, I've seen Jack Hanna at the Columbus Zoo. I lived like five minutes from there. Jack was not wearing a piss. He was wearing like his little Jack cowboy hat type thing. So this guy, hopefully that guy's still out there. I'll have to reach out to Pac-Man and see what that guy's up to. Oh, it would be because I remember the lift like the next week. You're like, hey, I got you something. <laughs> and it'll be here in a couple of days. It's got to ship in. And yeah, piths for us all. I still have it somewhere because it's just. It comes. It's always a, it's a good conversation piece, I think. Yeah. I think, you know, I think you could really, you ought to wear a pith on the next broadcast and just, it's good for rain, it's 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 versatile, you know. There's a reason it came around, you know. Well, I will probably be on Amazon ordering a couple more after this tonight, Luke, so we'll see. All right, so what are you up to now? Uh, so, I live in Columbus, Ohio. We built a house here about eight years ago. Um, my wife is from here and I have four little kids and I do a little bit of everything when it comes to like the broadcasting world. Um, I guess my most consistent thing I do right now, I do five days a week. I'm on Sirius XM with Pat McAfee. He has a show 12 to three. I join him from two, two o'clock on every day, uh, Monday through Friday. And we started doing a show once COVID hit right at the beginning, back in March, uh, McAfee and Hawk and just a sports talk kind of show on his YouTube channel. He's a giant YouTube following giant, like internet presence. And he's, Super talented, funny dude. So I do that five days a week. And then right now during uh, the college season, I've been working as a color analyst um, for games, a lot of mainly Conference USA games right now. That's why I've done some Marshall games over the years. I think I have one more Marshall game um, in, in this season to do. Yeah, uh, I got to check my schedule exactly because everything is getting switched around with COVID postponements and everything too. But yeah, I'm pretty sure I have another one of you guys. I always enjoy Always enjoy the uh, Colin Marshall games. You guys, how you guys approach things and coaches. It reminds me of 
high school a little bit for myself, which I love my high school coaches. They were the toughest guys I've ever met. So it's uh, it's fun doing Marshall games. Yeah, it's this place. It's kind of uh, I always say Marshall is it's frozen in time. And it's we don't we don't care what other people are doing, and we don't care how it's we're just we got a way of doing things here, and and it works for us. It doesn't. It's it probably wouldn't work anyway. Don't try it. Don't try it at home. But it works here. So it works beautifully. It's working great right now. So yeah, keep that thing rolling. Yeah, man, I appreciate. It. So how did you get to be? Uh, did you play with McAfee? What's your connection with him? No, I didn't even know Pat when I was playing. I mean, I knew of him, but the only thing I knew of him was, uh, oh, that's yeah. Remember the the punter that I guess got drunk and swam in a river or something. That's all I knew about him. And he's he's used his arrest from back then. He's he's <laughs> sells merch with it and does everything from there. So yeah, he's a genius. But uh, I met him. I, I when we were when I was in Cincinnati, we played Indianapolis in the preseason, and I remember I was a captain one of the games, and Pat was a captain that game too. And I, I think just said hi. We mentioned, I don't know, said a couple things back and forth. And then we got, it kind of got put together. We did a, maybe two years ago, three years ago now, I did a podcast with Pat and a guy named Jerry Thornton from um, Barstool. And it was on, it was a Barstool podcast. And they, Pat was working for Barstool at the time. They put us together and we did one every, uh, we'd record every Sunday night after the NFL games. We like recap the day and it was fun and we loved it and, and people enjoyed it. So then we always, Pat was doing it. He broke away from Barstool and was doing his own um, show, uh, his radio show every day. And he would, I would come on a decent amount. And then, like I said, once COVID hit, we both said, like, again, there's no games. There's nothing going to happen. There's no sports that are going to play. Like, we need to do something. Let's do something. Like, I think there is use for some kind of show. And that's where it started. And, yeah, now it's, it's been awesome, man. It's one, of the, it's one of the more fun things that I get to do. I mean, he has become – like a national treasure he's a <laughs> international sensation i mean he's one of the biggest things like in in sports media right now he's his people are enamored with <laughs> mcafee and it's really cool that you've got a show that you guys are doing consistently that's two really cool dudes doing doing things i think i think people got really just burn out with the way sports were being presented to them by as Dan Patrick says, the mothership, and they kind of changed it up. The bar stool, uh, whatever you want to call that, how that kind of just phenomenon took place, and then now McAfee, and then AJ Hawk as well. Well, yeah, I think it's there's so many different platforms, and there's so many different ways. Like, like talk to I'm I'm 36 right now. If if I mention like. Time Warner or Spectrum Internet or having like a cable box, like they look at you like you're an idiot. They don't like, no one gets cable and like they don't look at it like older people do. I mean, obviously you get YouTube TV and you stream everything, which, yeah, I have, I have Spectrum here. That's just for my, basically my internet, what I use it for and to watch games. But I know you can get everything streaming now and YouTube's gigantic. And Pat has done such a good job and like he has a full team and they work all day, every day. He's always producing content. I just kind of hitch along and, and get to do my little part. Um, and I've gotten to go and travel with those guys and do some stuff with him uh, and stay with those guys, the Airbnbs they get. Like, it's, they're like, Pat, what's, what's cool about Pat, I think what makes him so likable for people is he's so authentic. Like, you can't, like, that's who he is at all times, what he presents, what he's on camera, on, on radio, whatever, which he does for 
hours and hours every single week. He's real. And I think people see that. And that's what we, me and Pat, when we're talking on our show, we, yeah, it can go anywhere. It's, it's very broad topics. We can go wherever, all over the place. And also, I mean, it's a legit show. We have real guests and every Tuesday we have Aaron Rodgers on him and he has a deal. He, he comes on every single Tuesday at two o'clock and we talk to him uh, for 17 weeks during the, the football season and he enjoys it and he'll come on for a lot of times he's on for 40, 45 minutes. And that, I think that long form, like that long form where you can actually get real answers from people and you can actually listen. Podcasting has really, really helped that. But I think people enjoy that. You get to know people. You feel like you do know people when you listen to them doing long shows or podcasts and everything. I know I listen to, I'm always on the, like I probably have 15 or 20 different podcasts that I'm always cycling through that I listen to. Well, yeah, you're, like I said, in the you you got me into them because I thought it was kind of like, just for weirdo people. Oh, you get mad. I remember you get mad at me when I would mention, I, I, I would mention different episodes of something, but what is this? What are you talking about? If you, would, <laughs> yeah. you would act like, you'd act like this, such an old man. I was like, Luke, you're younger than me. Like, what are you talking about? <laughs> I know. I was a curmudgeon about it, but then you got me on uh, Dan Carlin's Hardcore History, and then I was, oh, okay. I was sold ever since. And then there's one guy that I think, that uh, brings all of this together. I was just, I literally, while you're talking about Pat, I was doing the research, and McAfee arrives at West Virginia in 2009, and do you know who was at West Virginia recruiting his brains out, but none other than the good doctor, Doc Holliday. So I can neither confirm nor deny that Doc Holliday recruited Pat McAfee to his alma mater at West Virginia, my current boss, but, uh, you know, six degrees separation, Kevin Bacon style is Doc Holliday for all. Hey, he's, I've talked to Pat about that. Yeah. Pat remembers Doc being there and he's first thing he said, he's like, Doc, oh my gosh, best recruiter ever. Like that's all like, and just uh, respect for him. And I always ask guys, how, man, how does Doc do that? But I've talked to Doc and production meetings and stuff. And we've asked him about recruiting South Florida and, he tells the story how when he went down there in the late seventies, there was no one else down there and he kind of got his foot in the door early and obviously networked and worked his way around. And he's still, uh, it's still paying dividends now. So I think it's, it's a pretty, uh, pretty awesome, like representation of, Hey, if you're just consistent and you just stick with it, like you can do anything. Like who would think a guy like doc has a lock on South Florida. Like, I don't, I don't yeah, think when you, yeah, if you watch him in an interview, you don't think like, your brain. Yeah, yeah, it's like, this guy's not Dabo Sweeney going to go in there and, you know, no. completely entertain the whole room. Like he has a different approach, but it's amazing <laughs> that he's able to do what he can. Well, here's, he told me this story one time and it blew my mind is he was a GA at West Virginia for Don Neal and when they still had literal film, right? Like you got to cut yeah. it and tape it together. Like, so he's yeah. like, so I'm doing the cut ups. And he's like, but you can only get it developed in Pittsburgh. He's like, so every night after practice, he drove to Pittsburgh, dropped it off at like CVS or whatever to get the film developed or whatever, the however that Jeez. works, one hour photo, goes, hangs out at a restaurant, picks the stuff up, drives home back to back to Morgantown and is at the staff meeting at 6.30 the next morning. He's like, and I did that every single day. So that's why he is who he is because he's just like, I don't care. And he, and he expects the same thing from if you work for him. He's like, 
get it done. And I don't care what it costs you or how much or how much effort or whatever. Just find a way to get this done. And that's 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 who the man is, man. Is that I would ask you? You're coaching, you know, these young kids, and you guys have a lot of studs there at Marshall. Is it different coaching them now? Because I, I, mean, I have four kids, and I know you have kids. Like I try to. I try to tell my kids all the time, like, hey, just figure it out. Like, you don't ask me for, don't ask me how to do it. I, I can't always help you. I'm not always going to be there to help. Like, just figure it out. Get it done. Like, are, are kids still like that? Like, guys recruiting when they come in, do you have to drill that into them? Like, what's it like? See, I'm a big believer, and, and so is Doc, that kids are whatever you allow them to be. So, like, I, I'm not – I'm just – I refuse to believe that, like, oh, you know, kids today, you can't coach them like that. And it's like, well, they're still born, and they still take nine months to cook up, and then they pop out, and they're like, all right, somebody show me how to do this. And we change because we, we become less and less confrontational face-to-face, and we be uh, much more confrontational behind our phones and all that sort of stuff. And so, yeah, it's very much like – Here's what it is. It's really hard figured out, and that happens. And you got like you got to be a pretty tough person to uh, to be around here, and that's kind of how it is. I I was you know I'm not I don't want to turn this into a you know martial all access, but this is kind of that that's who the man is, and and the program was reflective of that. And I'm very very thankful for it. the only other guy that was like that that's just like i ain't changing and and you're going to adapt to me was george o'leary when i worked for him mm-hmm. at ucf i mean that was you know but but and, and that and that worked in its own right and he was wicked wickedly smart um you know defensive mind and you just you you ran along with it because you know it worked that kind of thing so yeah i don't know yeah, I you gotta sometimes we're still gotta be able to coach yeah. So yeah, I think it's I think it's awesome what you're saying. That's true. Like they'll exactly it all come like it's like raising your kids. Yeah, man, they they'll be what you allow them to be. And but it's so that's what you're saying. How you guys coach and how what they expect to get it done. Like you can't you can't let up for a half a second. Like I, I just related from being like kids, knowing like if I need to because it's easy to take the easy way out or to like okay tonight yeah you can do that you can watch TV you now like whatever it's real easy to slip up every once in a while and then you know it's a slippery slope it's tough to get it back but yeah if you can stay diligent consistent with it like man yeah that's it'll it'll pay off for a long time exactly and as soon as as soon as you back off they are like that's it now like that's the standard. And so, yeah, it's exhausting and all of that. I'm very, very jacked up to hear you say that that's how you want to raise your kids and that has to be your, you know, Dayton region, Ohio roots <laughs> to, to want to treat and raise your kids like that. I, I want to ask you this, and I really want to dig into parenting and, the, and, and, and your beliefs and some of that stuff, but did you see a change? Could you played – you played longer than the maju- the average human being plays this game. Like you're the top one percent of how many years in the league did you play? Uh, Eleven. Okay, I mean that's an absolute eternity. So the year, the league in year eleven was it the same as the league for you in year one? Was it the same league? No, I mean I got I man when I was in the league like I saw a lot of changes come like with the rules for sure. Uh, also, like the biggest difference, and I'm kind of glad I got to see 
So I had five years pre like the old CBA, and then we got locked out um, for the off season. Did a new CBA, came back uh, for the my last five six years with the new CBA. So I saw like the difference in what it was. Like first off, the practices when I first got in the league, day one of camp was full pads, two practice, like two days, no matter what. It wasn't. There's no easing into it. There's nothing like that. Like it was, it was legit. Even back then, though, like the old my rookie year, it was still like the old timers would come back and tell us how easy we had it. Like this is nothing. You guys right. don't know what it's like to be in camp. And I'm like, yeah, I agree. I'm sure you guys. It was like seven weeks long, and you killed each other every day. But it was camp was serious back then. In my first year in Green Bay, Mike McCarthy was his first year too. So I mean, we. He even said, I think he even said in a team meeting later, I was like, man, I should have been put in prison how I practiced you guys when I first got here. Like, just what we were doing. And I, I loved it. I mean, I, I was luckily, I was young. I was a rookie. It's all I knew. And I thought it was good for us and good for our team. Uh, there's obviously a fine balance to that. But I, as far as on the field, yeah, I mean, so much stuff changed when it comes to rules. Like, when I first got in the league, I feel like you could still hit quarterbacks. I feel like you could still hit guys coming across the middle a little bit. And then two, three, four, five years in, they started changing things to where, like it used to be, okay, if I hit the quarterback high or I pile drove him in the ground, which you used to be able to do all the time, but um, it it wouldn't be a penalty, but you would know, like, okay, that dude's probably going to find $25,000 for that hit. And we'd say, oh, it sucks for him, but hey, at least it didn't hurt our team. But then I remember seeing it switch to where they start throwing those flags two on, on a play that's like a finable play on a quarterback mainly. And those, you know, you have a couple of those on third down, they can cost you a game. Right. So uh, that was a huge change. And the same thing, like as a linebacker or safety in the middle of the field, you're like whole target area that you're allowed to hit a guy and you can't lower your head, even though these guys are lowering their head, trying to run me over. Like it, it's tough to comply by the rules sometime, but I definitely saw a big change in like how physical and violent it was from the beginning to the end. That was still super physical, super violent, but I guess you just don't have those giant highlight real kill shots. They don't really want those. Those aren't the ones that, to be honest, those aren't the ones that scare me that do the worst damage anyway. So those what, ones are fun you to think watch. It's more like the repetitive of just over and I over. guess, yeah. I mean, none of, I don't claim to know anything about brain health and how it, uh, what it can do like down the road and how, how much it affects you. Um, I think everyone, you know, affects everybody differently. It's like anything else. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, yeah, I think those are the ones that scare me. I just, I know at least from experience, I've got blindsided blasted many times games, practice all the way from second grade up through my last year in the league. It's happened. And those hits are usually just more embarrassing. They don't hurt. They don't hurt that bad. Like right. I've had, I remember I was, I was, I was, covering a punt once in Chicago and I was running, I was so stupid, like no awareness at all. And I'm just running like, oh yeah, I'm gonna make a tackle. And the next thing I knew, I almost did a full backflip. This guy hit me so hard. And like I remember my legs almost hit first and like I bent my back in half, my head hit, and the only thing I thought of was like, oh man, I think my brothers are at this game. Like they definitely saw that. Like that's all I thought about. I wasn't like worried. I knew my brothers were in the stands. I'm like, oh, that's not going to be a good one to talk about afterwards. So yeah, those are. Yeah, I, I understand why the rules are in place and why they're doing it and everything. But yeah, sometimes sometimes it's tough to, to comply. Were guys coached different between the first half and second half of your career? Did you see uh, as to- to follow the rules, like to tackle differently, you mean? No, all no, that? no, no. I mean, like how you handle people. Like, oh, I mean, were guys still coached hard? Like, or was yeah? That- see, that's 
that's the good thing about Mike McCarthy. He's not scared of his players. He's not trying to win a popularity contest, and he was there my whole time. And like Mike is a he's a Pittsburgh tough dude. Like grew up like he is Pittsburgh through and through, and he takes pride in that being a physical team, trying to to physically dominate everybody. And that's kind of how he coached. Like he he didn't sweep anything under the rug. He would talk about how he he he'd always say conflict is good. Like if you have an issue, what like we should we do let's hash it out. So yeah, he coached us hard, man. He, he would coach us hard, and all the rest of the guys would coach us hard, especially on defense. I know it, there's always it's always funny like. Defense and offense are like two separate entities, but they get along great and they want each other to do well. But at least on teams I've been on, and it's usually the case, the defense are the ones where the coaches are usually like the, the yellers, the hard asses that they're going to drive into the ground. And then the offense is more like, eh, let's just go have some fun and score some points, man. No, watch out. Don't hit us so hard in practice. And they jaw back and forth. And that's kind of how it is. And I know at least at Green Bay, man, like all of our defensive coaches, they're no, I, I respected it. I have a lot of respect for how they handle everything. Well, there, see, that's what that's interesting to me because I and we had previously just talked about how kids are. It, it's almost like a birthday party every day in college football. <laughs> at, at some of the places, I mean, there's just I, I'm done. I'm done with the toys and the props when you get an interception and you come over and you and you just it's it's absurd. That's not me. for sure. I can't believe Marshall doesn't have all those takeover thing and turnover oh, things. You We're not doing that. Okay, you know what I mean it's that kind of thing. So. And, and and I'm thankful for it, you know. And, and our guys, they kind of like that's our shtick. It's like we're not doing that stuff, you know, that kind of yep. thing. But I don't know if, and that's why I asked you about: is the league still coaching guys hard? Because how prepared are we getting these kids to come into that business, that world? when everything you did, like, is so celebrated and turned into a. a you know, Instagram reel or whatever, and it's just out of control. I mean, there's literally like Hollywood cinematic grade cameras at Power Five practices now, and it's just absurd. So, like, I ask kids when we're when we're recruiting, I was like, you know, do you like football? And they're like, they're weirded out by that. I'm like, because I said it's a real question because do you just like the attention that you get from being recruited and people retweeting your stuff and telling you to come here, or do you what do you actually like about this game? Because if you don't have like specifics to like about, then you're not going to like all the stuff that we're going to ask you to do to get ready to go play it. And what I thought I had a guy, um, uh, a guy I played with, his name is Rob Davis. He was a long snapper, and then he was like. Um, the player development guy in Green Bay, he's actually, I think he got named like assistant head coach with Mike in Dallas. He has some big title there. But uh, I remember Rob telling me, like describing some guys uh, around that he knew, like on our team, he's like, yeah, I just don't know if this guy loves football. Or he loves what football brings him. And I was like, yeah, I never, I guess I never thought of that. But I'm like, man, there's a lot of people, yeah, that they're just they just woke up and they were good. They were just a freak. And yeah. so like, well, yeah, I was, I was good and I get attention and now I get paid money to do this. But like you could tell if they don't really love the game or they don't really want to be there. Um, but yeah, some guys can, some guys, uh, I guess everyone's motivated differently, but yeah, there's definitely guys playing that do not love football. And it's just Chuck Heater. He's, he was a defense coordinator at Marshall. And then he went, he was ever, he was at Florida with the Meyer gang. And then he was, at, he coached for Holtz at Notre Dame. He's been everywhere. 
and now he's out at Colorado State with Adazio, and he used to tell me all the time that when he, because he was uh, with Mullen, and I went to go see him down in Florida. He was an analyst at Florida, and he was like, you tell these guys all the time, you know, God, you just woke up and God got you here. Like, <laughs> you showed up just because that's how God created you. And you did nothing to get here like that. You're just 6'6", six, six, and you run a 4'4", four, four, and now you're here. Now what are you going to do? And I wonder, now were you, because you're, you're, you know, on the, on the fighting Elks down there in Centerville, when you're coming up, were you like stud man? Like, I'm a freakish athlete. I can tell that I'm just better. I mean, obviously, to play in 12, 11 years in the league, you're very super gifted. Or were you a kind of a grinder guy? No, I was definitely a grinder guy. I mean, I played all sports. I played football, baseball, and basketball my whole life. I loved it. AAU basketball and travel baseball and everything. Um, I really enjoyed it. I don't know. I know I didn't. I never thought about it. I guess I was the youngest of three boys. I just wanted to, you know, play on the high school team like my older brothers did, or play whatever they, whatever level they were at. I wanted to get to where they were. Uh, my middle brother was kind of that. He was called like they call him the Golden Boy. Um, he was quarterback, and he was a stud quarterback. He ended up went to Miami of Ohio, uh, then transferred to, to Ohio U and started there for a couple of years, and then played in the Arena League for a couple. Um, but he was kind of like the golden boy, and I was fine. I loved it because I got to play two years in high school with him. So my freshman and sophomore year was his junior and senior. So he was starting quarterback. I got to play running back, too, at the same time and catch touchdowns from him and have him hand the ball off to me. So it was, it was awesome. But, no, I never really thought about anything like that. I, mean, I played up. I, I Now I start to think about it a little bit because I have a nine. My two oldest are nine and seven, and my son's in second grade. And I remember, like, we took him to basketball the other day. And um, my wife said, oh, did you play basketball in second grade? And, and I remember it very vividly. I was like, yeah, they didn't have a second grade select team. So I, had, I tried out for the fourth grade team and I made the fourth grade team and started the whole year at point guard as a second grader. I'm like, I don't know. Now when I look back at it, I'm like, I don't know how in the hell I did that. I had to be like nine feet shorter than all these kids. When I look at second graders compared to fourth now, it's, it seems like a giant jump, but somehow I was able to, to do that. Maybe they felt bad for me. I don't know what it was, but uh, no, but you can't, no, I mean, like, I had no idea. My whole goal it was always like, okay, I'm in elementary school, like, man, middle middle school football is legit. That's the real deal there. You got to yeah. be serious. I yeah. can't wait. And then high school, obviously, is the, the mecca of, especially up Centerville High School, awesome history, tradition, like, right. I, my whole, my whole fantasy was to play high school football for Centerville on Friday nights. So then being able to do that, I never thought of anything else. And then I guess towards like sometime in my junior year, maybe um, I thought it was a real possibility to get a scholarship and play in college somewhere. And then I, I ended up getting a, I got Ohio state. I got an offer from them um, yeah, going yeah. this summer, summer going into my senior year. If you're, yeah. Okay. If you're a kid from Centerville, Ohio, you didn't just get an offer. Like you got the one that everybody that's what you talk about. No, well, I had to work for it. I had to work for like I had so a lot of the guys in my class like I my recruiting class was Coach Trestle's first recruiting class and it was unbelievable class he put together. We had he had like twenty five scholarships. It, I mean there's so many guys like Troy Smith, Antonio Holmes, Nick Mango, Bobby Carpenter, I mean all these Maurice Claret like, in your class? Yeah, Maurice Corrette, like all these guys. And there's more that I'm I'm leaving out too. That oh I'm, and it was uh, there's so many of them. Um, 
that were just studs. And Dante Whitner came a year right behind me, but he left. He left early, so he left in the same draft class. Like guys like that. And when I got there, there's there's so many studs there too. But no, I I had to go to camp to earn an offer. A lot of these guys had already been offered sophomore year, probably in high school, uh, and I I didn't expect to be offered like that. But I went to camp with all like a thousand kids going into my senior year, and luckily enough, man, yeah, Coach, they, Coach Tressel called me into his office and offered me a scholarship right there, and I tried to accept it. And he's like, "No, nah, you got to talk to your parents, figure it out." I'm like, "Trust me, they're driving me home. Okay they're that. driving me home. They're gonna kick me out of the car if I try to say I have to think about it." So I'll call you when I get home, but it's a yes. Please don't give it to anybody else. Yeah. Wow. So you you consider yourself you were kind of like a tweener. Well, I kind of was. I I got hurt. Yeah, uh, yeah. There's always there's always rumors. I I think it's true. Like Bill Conley was a recruiting coordinator at the time at Ohio State, and so I guess supposedly they the story is. I think Coach Tressel's even told it. Maybe they thought I was going to be a fullback. He's like, well, if you want to offer him, like he's gonna he can't play linebacker. He's gonna be a fullback or something. And they're like, ah, I don't know if Coach Tressel stood up for me. I don't know what happened, but that I. There was just so many studs in that class. Like, there's three other linebackers. Mike D'Andrea, who was in my class, too, was, like, the USA Today Defensive Player of the Year, like, national. And Bobby Carpenter was the linebacker. A guy named Stan White was a super high recruit coming from Baltimore. Like, so, yeah, I had to find a way to get an offer. It's, I would imagine it's pretty rare to offer four linebackers in one class. Yeah, and then it turned out to be this, like – legendary linebacker crew but then you, you they don't know if you can play linebacker but you played as a freshman yeah i didn't redshirt luckily early on they knew like i didn't know i didn't have any expectations of what i was going to do i was like yeah whatever I'm, i'll do whatever i'd love to play i don't want a red shirt but uh, i played i started on all the special teams right away and then i was the backup will linebacker and i mean you talk about good timing and being Fortunate, we went 14 0 and won the national championship my freshman year. And the guys, like the older guys in that team, were rock stars to me. I was watching them play on TV, and then I'm all of a sudden next to them, and then they were so cool. And then we're hanging out like at a college party of three months into college. Like, this is amazing, man. Like, I feel like I'm here with Tom Cruise. These guys actually want to, they're okay with us being around. And yeah, and then a lot of those guys, I'm still, they live around here, and I still see them all the time. But uh, yeah, I played special teams and then back to see up, and then a game late in the year we were at Wisconsin and see, I think rolled his ankle at the very end of the first half. And I had to go in and play the whole second half against Wisconsin on the road night game. Camp Randall was the greatest atmosphere ever. And I think we won the game 14 to nine. And Wait, I, is that the game? Who is the guy you told me? I don't know if you're allowed to tell this story. Robert, no, no, Robert, when Robert choked him, <laughs> is that what you're talking about? Yeah. Robert Reynolds. So no, that was not the game. That was my sophomore year, and we got beat on a double move right after that happened. Uh, yeah, Robert Reynolds, my – I mean, I don't know. Yeah, Jim Sorgi, the quarterback, sorry to, to Sorgi. He, he had to leave the game. But, yeah, there was – Sorgi was running, scrambling in this game. And I remember I, I got in – I was in on the tackle first, I think, and I was laying down. There's a picture of it that someone sent me. I was – like, my arm was on top of Sorgi, but my head was, like, in the ground, and I could just hear Sorgi kind of start to choke a little bit, and I couldn't figure out what happened. And Turns out when you check the replay that uh, my compadre may have had his hand around his throat a little bit. I don't know what happened. He didn't. Robert is the nicest, like, greatest dude ever, too. He's like, I don't know, man. I blacked out. Like, I don't know what happened there. <laughs> Nobody does. It was uh, a bad deal. Luckily, Sorgi's all right. Yeah, but the the uh, the Wisconsin faithful were, were not. They were not happy about that. Can you imagine now with, with social media how that would have gone? That would have been pretty rough. It's it's not well. It's funny you bring that up about social media because 
it couldn't have existed. One, you can't live in the vacuum that you could before, and and it, I, I think it's unfortunate because you were talking about going. Your dream is just play Friday night for the Centerville Elks was like your whole dream. Whereas like I was coaching high school football last year and you got kids that like run like a seven two forty, and they're like, check out my huddle. Here's my Twitter, you know, just, you know, th- you know, hashtag bless waiting for that offer. And I'm like, what are you like? That's it. Like they don't even think about the sanctity of high school football and like, you know, it was just so awesome to be part of a team. Like, you don't get that anymore because now it's just like, oh, if you want to get recruited, you got to get out to camps. And it's, you know, I got invited to the Nike Combine because, yeah, you paid 300 bucks to go, dude. Like, it's just, yeah. kids are so delusional. They're absolutely delusional. And you have to, like, undo all of that at first for a while. Well, you guys got to, you got to de recruit. Yeah. I mean, it's got to be tough now. It's, well, it's just, I think they recruit into it. Like, when I was when I was coming out of high school, going to college, yeah, Ohio State was a great launch pad to go to the NFL. I, I guess I never really gave it much thought. I, I just I think I was pretty naive, and I was just happy to go to Ohio State. Like this is great. How do I get on the field? I just let me just try to fit in and be accountable to these guys somehow. But uh, now, though, that's a huge, gigantic recruiting. It's not. It's out there in the open. At least the big schools, like, hey, you want to go to the league? You come here. Look at us. Check this out. Turn your TV on Sunday. You yeah. see a bunch of our. We have we have rookies starting all around the league. We have guys making plays on every team in the league. You want to? Oh, you're a DB. Here you go. Come to Ohio State. Our DBs are going in the first round. And it's like they don't. I think before it was known. Like yeah, obviously if things go well here, it'd be great. You should. It should set you up to have a great NFL career. But now it's like, hey, you come here. This will help you get to the league. And then, by the way, we need to win a couple of national championships on the way. Or I'm not gonna have a job anymore. That's kind of how it works. Yeah, I guess it's just like the the frenzy of like recruiting, and there is no well. Let's give him four to five years to build his program. It's just like win now or else, and it's just there's a lot of things that get sacrificed along the way to do that, and it's unfortunate because um, I feel like you don't get to be as honest with kids, or at least give them the amount of time that sometimes it takes for kids to to let them grow up. You got to just play along with their little fantasy land, so that they go and play well on Saturday, and you don't want to upset them. And you know, it's it's deeply disturbing to me. Yeah, I I don't know what the answer is. I don't know if there is one. I mean, it's a, it's I guess it's a it's a testament to how you guys can still kind of have those old school techniques and what you do and how you approach everything. It's pretty awesome. Everyone buys in, and your team kind of takes on that personality i mean there's a there's a reason that you guys are winning i don't think that could you can't replicate that everywhere but it sure works for you guys well you know we got we got we're the you got a lot of guys it's the the school of hard knocks you know like maybe this wasn't where you thought you were going to end up and Mm -hmm. and you know something happened along the way and and now you're here and so you get to use it as an opportunity for these kids to be honest with themselves and you get to be honest with them like look this didn't go the way you thought it was going to go, and here we are. And uh, now let's 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 reset. And let's make this thing really really good. And it you know it, there's a lot of success stories. This place has taken care of a lot of kids, 
and helped a lot of kids get out of their own way that, that it's, uh, you know, that I'm proud to be a part of. Um, but it's, you know, like I said, this conversation was not about that. This conversation <laughs> is about, is about, so, okay, go back to now, you, now you got kids, right? And I, I want to see, do you struggle with seeing like you, you have, do you have a son? Yeah, I have a girl and then three boys. Okay, so you got okay. All right. Here's what here's the problem that I have, and I and I sometimes feel like my son is a victim of it. It's like I get this like instant feedback loop of like if I don't take care of this right now, I know exactly what this looks like at 18 years old, right? Because I go to, all I got to do is drive three blocks and go to work and see it, right? So it's like so I'm like extra really hard on him. Do you have like? guys from your playing days or whatever you're like man that guy his dad should have did this and then you, you <laughs> see your kid and you're like nope that's not gonna happen and you're extra hard on him. how do you find the balance of like being a throwback like you know uh figure it out you know like my, like your dad said and nobody blinked an eye at it in the 90s to okay i don't want to be an idiot here we do know there's best practices of where do you find the balance i try to find the balance i mean that's it's like anything if you don't have kids listening to people talk about like trying to raise kids it goes i'd never you don't think about it really but yeah anyone that's has kids especially multiples i mean every day is like a there's a million different new challenges and new things to to figure out and what like hey i'm the parent in this situation i gotta make sure i figure this out and do it the right way and i don't you know, being patient is one of the, the tough things as a parent to do, to stay consistently patient with them. But yeah, I, there's a balance, I think. I mean, for me, like, I, so it's funny, my wife and my daughter are sim- have similar kind of personalities and how they are, and they butt heads a lot, but they're, they love hard and they fight hard, kind of one of those things. But my wife is really hard on my daughter, and my, our, my boys she is like, you know, those are her dudes. Like she, they, they run and they still hug on her legs and hold on. Like they just want to snuggle with her. And she just is so like protective of her boys, even though she still like makes them, like she's not trying to make them little wimps. Like she makes them do their own thing, but she isn't, she's not hard on the boys nearly as much as I am. I have, it's easier for me to be hard on the boys. Yeah, I'm saying my, my daughter, obviously. Yeah. And that's kind of the natural thing just cause I'm like, all right, man, like I just know with, with, with my daughter, like think about it. Most, Girls that are older or like grown, like, you know, 18 and up or whatever, or high school and up, a lot of people that like, I feel like if they have issues or struggling, a lot of it comes back to like how the relationship was like with their dad. So I, that is always in my brain. Yeah. It's always in my brain thinking about that. Like, oh man, okay. Like I gotta, as she, I always want to make sure my kids like trust me. So I don't try to, if I say I'm going to do something or this is going to happen, like I want to make sure I follow through no matter what especially with my daughter, because I want her to be able to trust me and what I say is legit and it's going to stick because I think you could have, you know, you don't want her to have trust issues growing up with, with men or whatever, any, any male figures around her. So I'm always thinking about that, but yeah, it's a constant situation. It's constant battle. Always asking people too, like, Hey, how do you, what do you do when your kid does this? Like my brother has five kids, my middle one and my oldest has two. And I always, I like to ask them what they do. I, I, Kevin Green was on the staff in green Bay and Kevin Green is like one of the most like unique, like squared away, respectable humans. Like he lives by like a code. Like he was in, he was in like while well, he was playing the NFL, 
he was, uh, I think he was a national guard for like 20 years. Like he was still going and, and serving, doing his thing. And he has a big respect for the military and all that, but he has two kids and his kids would come around on game day and at different times. And I would just see how they were, they were so respectful. They carried themselves like with class. And it was amazing because his son was probably 14 at the time, maybe like right in that age when you could just be a punk, like when right, kids yeah, do yeah. sometimes turn. And I remember telling, asking him one time, like, KG, which you call him Kevin, I'm like, KG, what, I just got to ask you, man, like, I got kids, I've been watching your kids, like, what the hell have you done with these guys? They're unbelievable, like, how respectful they are, what they're doing, and he's awesome, like, he almost would get emotional, he's like, ah, appreciate that, AJ, and then he would tell me, just like, he, like, he did, like, he kind of has, like, this code, there's how he lives with how he treats people, like, you treat people with respect, you respect their elders, and he always, like, tells them, if you, if you see someone wearing fatigues or a veteran in the, in the airport, you walk right up to him and tell him, thank you for your service, like, and that's just, that's him, and it kind of, it, it exudes from him, and I think his kid doesn't even have to say anything to his kids, they see the, how their dad lives, and that's what they want to do, and their mom, too, their mom's awesome, and so that's kind of where I, I try to figure out, my wife tried to be like, hey, we just got to, we got to live it. Like they're going to see how we act to see how we, how we treat each other, see how we treat other people. And that's what's going to base most of their things, whether they're thinking about it or not. So that's what I try to do. It's a lot easier said than done, obviously. Well, I, that's great. Live it. And KG or those Kevin green stories that you used to tell me are just (laughs) what a beautiful, beautiful human he is. And, it's it's interesting. You're you're a you're a worldly savvy dude. Did that come from your dad? Where did that come from? Uh, I don't know if I'm savvy. I don't know if I'm cultured. I'm not cultured. That's for sure, really. But I know I have. A, I my wife sometimes wonders why. Like I I don't know why. Like what? How I get intrigued by certain things. Like I know a lot about pop culture for some reason. Like, I don't know why I just, it's like in my world, I see things like for some reason. Oh yeah. Oh, John Stamos had a baby. Like, why would I know that? Or why <laughs> I think he had a one. I, that's not, I don't know if that's true or not, but like, I know random dumb things like that, which don't really help me with anything in life. But I think I'm just curious. I've always been curious since I was a little kid. And now that I've gotten older and had time to look around and try to raise my own kids. I'm like, yeah, man, like every smart guy I know, Every person I like that I like being around, they're curious and they ask questions. Like, I can't, I'm sure you've been around plenty of people, Luke, where you could, you could have hung out with them five times for five different times, five different occasions for two hours each time. And they never asked you one question. Like those kind of things, like, I don't ever want to be that guy. That's just all into their own stuff and never been like, Oh, really? Why, why do you view it like that? Or why, why would you handle it that way? Like, there's people like that that only want to talk about themselves and just yeah. tell you what they're doing. And those people suck, and I don't want to be around them. Well, it's you struck me very early on meeting you because it's very it, – that was a strange, strange deal with being there with the Bengals because – I didn't know, even understand what you – I thought you were, like, on the staff and you've been there for years. I didn't understand you guys' weird situation well, you had I going played on. It, I played it off really well. Yes, you did. You guys, you got your, you put your bangle shorts and shirt on, and I was like, yeah, this guy's been here for ten years. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's what I did. But no, it was, it was interesting because I was considered like, uh, like part time on, like I would just come and do the lifts and all, and, and the, you know, the Bengals organization is, a, it's a different type of deal. But it was like, it like partnered with a company called Ignition, 
uh, where my buddy Ben Kramer still works, and and Cliff Marshall, who used to run it, and now is at uh, he's the head head strength coach for Indiana basketball, and then Ben's still there. But we it was like the Chip had partnered with that whole to to have help there because they only employed two full time strength coaches with the Bengals, and so like we would come on and we were paid through them, and the Bengals would just pay ignition. So like, but like it was it was interesting because I'm obviously you you were at the tail end, so you're older than I am. You were like thirty, uh, I forget how many years that was. You're probably thirty one or thirty two, and I was like twenty eight or something. So, but like I was the guy at Hamilton Big Blue when like oh AJ Hawks like a senior. He just he just showed up. He he just graduated. Now he's at Ohio State. It's like so like literally my late adolescent to entire adult life like there was like aj hawk and ray maluga and all these you know it was like all these bengals veterans and then you being the guy from just just north of hamilton ohio and playing at the big time school in ohio and and then all of a sudden like i'm working like okay guys we're gonna we're gonna go we're gonna do this kettlebell press over here and it was so bizarre but one thing that struck and you really helped me that year because like you could like you, you struck me as the guy that could instantly read everything that was going on in the room. Immediately. <laughs> well, there was always a lot going on. It was a fun situation at all times for me. I thought I was, I was appreciative to have you two cruising around because you, that's a great example of, Hey, just act as if like <laughs> act like you're supposed to be there. Like a boiler room, Ben Affleck is a good movie. If you haven't seen it, yes. like that is, you had me fooled. I honestly, it was probably how many months into it was it where it, did I figure out that you didn't, you hadn't been there for a long time? I think it might've been months into working with you and talking to you all the time where you're like, well, I don't know. I don't even really work for the Bengals. Like I'm from this other thing. And then I don't think I ever wrapped my head around it. I never, I was like, wait, cause there's definitely no other NFL teams that do that, that bring in part-time help like that. So it's, it's cool. Yeah, it's good that you're you like, yeah, what's the deal? Like you were asking like, well, you know, how are we going to get over the hump or something? But then I was like, I don't know, man, I got here like three days before. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, that was such a, it was a unique, bizarre. Well, it was fun to like, what was fun is I know our, we used to um, work out in the mornings before meetings, like a couple of days a week. And that was like our defense would have to get in there and guys would always like be struggling in there, trying to get in there late. And I'd be in there rolling out or whatever. And guys were so, like, it was usually a Wednesday or Thursday. So it's like your long padded days or whatever. And it was 6.30 in the morning or something. Guys are rolling out, like, falling asleep on the floor. And then you would just walk in with your loud voice and walk through everybody and give everybody a hard time. And it was always fun. It was always fun to see you bring in, bring in that juice and really not letting those guys just hang out and just roll around and fall asleep while they're trying to stretch. Well, it's, it's, there's, a, there's a lot to be said about not understanding what your boundaries are supposed to be and – I, I was really supposed to just be handing them foam rollers and being seen and not heard, and I was just like, "What do you got? Come on, let's go!" Like, just an idiot. Like, who are you? You know. But somehow they let me get away with it. They were gracious enough to let me. You know. Not- was that your first time uh, working on the NFL team? Yeah. Oh yeah. And I mean, you were. It wasn't like you were just. You were to every, everyone. I'm sure 
the majority of that team just assumes you're a full-time strength coach on the team. Like they probably didn't even understand the situation completely, but cause yeah, you're there on game days. You're always there. It's not like you were only there a little bit. Yeah. 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 No, like the veterans knew because that position kind of, it cycles through people and things like mm-hmm. that. There's other people that come in like Whitworth and those guys, they understood how that worked cause they were lifers there. Um, but you know, the other guys, it's just like, okay, I need to know what's going on in here. And this guy seems to know, and so they listen, you know. And like <laughs> Chip, Chip is that I talk to Chip like literally every single day still since then. And where is he? Okay, so Chip is with um, Marsock uh, down in Camp Lejeune. He's training uh, special forces right now. Wow, that's a good gig for him. Oh yeah, he loves it, man. That's awesome. Yeah, so he literally just took that. Um, in September, did he leave when Marvin left, or was he there for another year? No, he left when Marvin left. So when Taylor okay. came in, they brought in a new crew. You know, and I mean, he was there for 16 years in Cincinnati. Whew. That's a long, 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 long time, man. Especially in the NFL. So well, that's the tough thing about about your position as a strength coach. You're you're tied to the head coach a lot of times. All the times. Yeah, because yeah, yeah. Because if a guy, if a guy's coming in and he's a new coach, he's going to bring his own dudes in. The first guy he's probably going to bring in is his strength coach. So yeah, you, it's it definitely helps to be uh, to to hit your wagon to a nice consistent coach that you feel like is is doing the right things. That's for sure. Yeah, it, it's a strange game. You know, sometimes it can get a little grimy where people are just like, oh, this guy's an up-and-coming coach. I'm going to be friends with him. You know, and it can be kind of mm-hmm. bastardized networking and stuff like that. And I don't ever want to get, you know, gross like that. But, you know, it's part of it. That happens in any industry. But um, you're absolutely right. It's part of the it's part of the deal. And, you know, I always say that strength coaches, they get way too much credit and way too much blame for whatever's going on. Like, you win a game, mm-hmm. and like, that's because we were strong. You lose a game, and it's, ah, it's because we were weak. You know, it's just... <laughs> well, what I was... I can't believe they blame strength coaches when there's, like, injuries, when a team has a bunch of, like... Like, okay, if you have a rash of... If you have 20 guys pulling hamstrings, like, the first week of practice, like, all right, or the second week or something in camp, like, all right, well, we, we need to reevaluate something. But when guys are getting hurt and they, like, legit would blame strength coaches for torn ACLs or Achilles or shoulder separation, I'm like, come on, man. Like, you can't – I just don't understand. And yeah. hopefully most, most head coaches aren't like that, but I know some of them are. Oh, it's it's a storm that every strength coach, whether has been – and Dan Dalrymple, he's been with uh, Sean Payton down at the New Orleans Saints since Payton got down there, and Dalrymple – I think it was your brother's strength coach if your brother went to Miami. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I know Dalrymple. Yeah. Just awesome, awesome dude. He let me come down and visit for a few days, uh, and I went down and watched lists and stuff, and one time he said, he said, if you accept credit, then you accept blame. And so if if you're the guy that's letting everybody pump you up and say that, you know, that's because they were so tough and so disciplined, that strength coach must really be getting it done in the weight room. Well, as soon as there's problems, you, you get to accept those too. So like he's like, I accept no credit, I accept no blame. That's how he lived. <laughs> Good for him. Yeah, exactly. It's working. 
because he's a long tenured. He's guy. been there forever. Yeah, he's been there forever. Man, Dalrymple was. I remember seeing him when my brother went to Miami, just because watching him lead stretches for a practice. Like he's just such a giant man walking giant. through. It's just, it's just a yeah. It's so fun. And then I, I think I visited the Saints before the draft, and I got to see him there. And it was yeah, it was just cool to see him. It's been a while. Yeah, man. So what you said? You're a curious guy. You're constantly getting into stuff. What are you into right now? Oh man, I'm trying to think if there's anything that I'm like deep into right now. Not really. The one thing I'm not into, I know that is arguing with people about politics or COVID. Like I know I'm not getting into that. It's just exhausted. I'm like, hey man, I get it. I I hear both sides. I hear what everybody's saying. Nothing makes sense. There's nobody has answers. Let's move on. Let's yeah, figure, whatever. Like they're just too much. So what is the point? I know. Like I have. Like my wife is on. So we were on this uh, early on in the COVID situation. Somehow I got added onto this group text and there was like 20 people on this thing. And it's a whole, it's strictly COVID things. It was all these parents and different people like worried about their kids going to school. Are they going to go back? Are they not going? Whatever. And I was on that thing and I despised group texts with that many people, especially. And I didn't know any of them really. And I was like, it was making me crazy because they kept, people would be copy and pasting like articles every day, these long PDFs. I'm like, there's, it would be a full-time job just to read all of this stuff that you guys are talking about COVID and complaining about that you can't do anything about. And so I, I opted out. I opted out of the text. I the thing, out. you know, it, and it, the best is, I, I love it. It says AJ Hawk has opted out of this conversation. They all see that too. That's in there. And so I'm like, yeah, I did. Like, I'm not worried about. I don't care about that. Like, my wife's worried about offending people and opting out or something. I'm like, all right, well, I don't think that's a, that's a. I'm not too worried about that in these groups. But I, I don't know if like, I'm trying to think. There, there's nothing like I, I'm not real drilled down into one thing right now. I'm always, always on the search for good. Um, like audiobooks, I like to listen to audiobooks a decent amount. Um, but yeah, during the season right now, because this, this is the first time I've really done a consistent like five days a week, what I'm doing with Pat right now. And yeah, it's not that long each day, but I still have to be up to date. I still have to be aware of everything going on, you especially be, in the NFL. Yeah, be read up, ready to go. And it's like the weekends, though, like, so people, a lot of guys sit there and watch games all day Saturday, all day Sunday. Well, I'm traveling, working games on Saturday. And then I'm usually traveling home on Sunday and I go straight from the airport. You know, I usually go straight to either a flag football game or a soccer game for my daughter or basketball now. So it's like I can't, I'm not sitting around watching all the NFL games. So I have to, like, work at it to watch them and go watch all the 15-minute YouTube recaps that the NFL does a good job of putting them up and studying and actually going and recording games and watching stuff just so I know. So because I do I do shows on Sirius XM, too, on the NFL channel. I'm like, you have to. They're four-hour-long shows a lot of times. Like, you got to know what's going on. And yeah. so it's actually – luckily, I enjoy that part of it. I love watching film. I love trying to figure out why teams are doing what they do. That's why I love calling games in person. It's just it's really fun to try to figure things out. Um, but, yeah, I don't know, man. The whole COVID situation, we've, we've – you know, it's been a different uh, deal for everybody. We're very lucky. I have a big yard. We have room in our house. We're not stuck in some fifth-story walk-up. Right. with four kids so i understand how lucky we are about that and we've uh we you know we try to look at the positives we we drove around we man we traveled early on in the in the whole uh pandemic we we drove to kansas and saw jordy nelson and his family hung out on the farm there that his brother has and jordy does um took our kids there like we we knew like hey this is the only time in our life where 
every night the kids aren't going to have practice. Like, cause now even we're back to practice every night. It seems like with the kids, but when that all hit early on in the, in COVID, it was like, everything shut down. Okay. Homeschool. And then there's no practice to get to. And so we tried to use that and, you know, figure out cool things to do with the kids. With, uh, with AJ Hawk, the dad at practice, are you, you strictly sitting it out like you've obviously you've been around a few guys in your life that know how to coach and coach people and talk to human beings it's like are you in is your is your kids coach like does he like amplify everything because oh aj's there or is he is he you know trying to remain calm or is he, you don't like what he's doing or you just sit it out all together because you don't want to be that guy that you know you could um i so I'm sure you could probably guess what I'm like at my kids' game. I don't say a word. Um, I don't think it's my spot. My dad never said – I think a lot of it's because of how I was raised, the youngest of three boys. My dad would – my dad never missed a game, ever, ever. Like, he never missed any of our games. And even when I was in the league, I think he missed one game in my 11 years because my mom was sick and he couldn't go. So, like, that that's amazing. what I'm used to. Yeah, like, so that's the example I've known. And then my middle brother is – crazy smart we're very close but he's crazy smart super athletic like the most detail oriented like square just he's got it figured out like he's he's on he's working on a second book right now he's just always always hustling always grinding he's super smart and he he's a guy that absolutely just figures it out like he would never say like if someone told him to do something he's never gonna be like oh well how should i do that like he would that would never cross his mind he's just gonna put his head down he's gonna do it right away and figure it out no matter what and he's gonna even if it was the hardest thing in the world and he had to, you know, walk to Antarctica to get it figured out when his boss asked him, oh, how was he? He's like, oh, it was great. Piece of cake. Like, he's never going to, you know, let you even know. And so I think I, when I go to these kids, I mean, that was a long tangent for some reason, Luke. Sorry about that. But basically, I don't say a word. Passionate about your brother. I'm in. Yeah, you're right. I, I try to figure out, yeah, you know, you get older and I think about things I never thought of before. So, yeah, I think like, it's the kids having kids. I start to realize that, okay, this is why my parents said this when I was a kid. This is why they did that. Now I get it more. Um, but no, I don't say anything. Uh, I go, sometimes you'll want to say something if you feel like you, you know, the only thing I have a hard time, I, I don't yell out, but like if I feel like they're loafing or something or they're not run, just not playing hard. And I don't, I don't put any pressure on them. I don't care. I tell them going in, okay, I love to watch you play. I just, just go around and hustle and have fun. Just play hard. That's all that matters. And afterwards, you know, if they, you know, if my son scored a couple of touchdowns or my daughter scored a goal in the soccer game, I'm not going to sprint over and throw her on my shoulders and run her around the field like she won. We won the Super Bowl because I don't right. her like she my kids don't need to think like, hey, my dad's happiness is <laughs> dependent on how I play in this game. So right. that's what I want to make sure is not part of any of it. And I just try to be a positive support on the sideline. And I, you know, we all know we've seen so many kids. Like I grew up with so many players that were really good and they would, I could remember them being scared to death of their parents, what their dad's going to say after the game. And then it almost freaked me out a little bit. I got in the league and I would talk to guys, 30 year old guys with kids. And they're like, Oh man, my dad's here. And I had that, you know, I had that pass interference in the second quarter. I'm like, okay, Roman. so what do you mean? Yeah, and I'd be like, and these are guys I, I really enjoyed and were friends and I respect. And I'm like, wait, what do you mean? And he's like, oh, my dad's going to kill me. Like, he's going to be so pissed. I'm like, 
what? Like it oh, blew man. my mind. But then I started thinking, well, yeah, I get, I understand the kind of power your, your yeah. influence, your dad has over you. And I'm like, damn, that's sad, man. I hate that. I was so lucky, man. Like my dad never said a word would watch everything. And my mom never said a word to us. It never made me work out, never made me do anything. But I, I, I say it all the time when I go give speeches at places like my dad would never make me work out, never forced me to do anything, but I would, all the time growing up, I would wake him up at two in the morning and ask him to rebound for me. I want to shoot free throws. And he wouldn't say a word, just come on out and rebound for me. Take me to the batting cage. We found a, we found a 24 seven batting cage uh, that we could go to. I remember when I was in middle school and I would, we'd go like at midnight. I go to like a middle school dance, come home at midnight and my cake, we go hit. And he's like, yeah, let's do it. So like he never said no ever if I wanted to do something. And so that's what I try to, I try to try to replicate that, I guess. That's pretty special. Like that's that's different type of where did I realize that now, man. I realize well, no, I realize how special my upbringing was yeah. and how my dad was and my mom and how it was just it, it just worked out beautifully and I yeah, I um I don't know how they they did it, but yeah, they were able to do that where I don't know. Yeah, they just kind of stayed in the background, never said anything, never like, you know, the cheer, they always cheered for my teammates, all that stuff. And, um, yeah, I don't know. I think I have a lot of the – I want to have the same thing. And I feel like – yeah, I just don't know. I feel like you can just mess kids up. Like, we just got to get out of the way. Like, we can really – we can only really mess them up. Like, if you just let them roll, let them figure it out and let them know that you're there and that you'll support them no matter what and that you'll kill somebody for them, hey, they're going to be good, man. They'll figure it out. Man, it's like you. It's like you ran into like your 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 origin story, or, or if if this was the Angela Duckworth like backstory of like the successful, you know, the Tom Brady backstory or the Steve Young, like the AJ Hawk is like the perfect alignment of like nature, meat, and nurture. <laughs> like you got enough athlete. Like it's like you know, poor. I I don't say this to him, but he's like. My son has my genetics, right? So it's like so he's a freak, right? Does he give me Mr. Olympia? <laughs> so there's a ceiling real quick, you know? But it's like, hey, let me just let me try to help you steer yourself around this. This took me a long time to figure out that I can't absorb that many carbohydrates and you probably can't either. You know, those kind of things. But it's like you're, you you have this ability, right? You didn't just like you can't just tell kids if you work hard enough, you'll go play for the Green Bay Packers for eleven years. Like, no, that's that's not the case, sir. But you have that gift. But then you also there's a lot of guys that they they don't last because they also don't have the 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 nurture that you got from your dad and your mother. And it's it's special. It's it's literally if people are talking about oh AJ Hawk's a Hall of Famer, one in a, one in a million type player. Well, the reason why is because you it sounds like you got a one in a million type upbringing. Yeah. Oh, I'm believe me, I am fully aware of that. Especially as I talk to friends older and ask them about their upbringing and how how different it was, how like just how lucky I was. I, I get it 100. percent It's a uh, yeah, and it's it's hard to live up to almost as a parent now. Like sometimes it's. Like, I, I grew up Catholic. Like, I don't know, it was a Catholic guilt thing or whatever. But, yeah, like, I, I'm i already starting to think, like, all right, well, I got to reevaluate if I want to continue 
to call games in the fall because as my kids get older, I'll have to, I'll miss, I'll miss Saturdays of what they're, what games they're playing or whatever. And I don't know if I can do that. So yeah, I'm always, you know, it's always, it's like anything. You always got to reassess hourly almost on what you're doing. Yeah. It makes me, yeah. Cause like I'm literally sitting here and being convicted. Cause it's like what I do for a living. I miss a lot of stuff, you know, mm-hmm. like, and miss things with my kids. And I'm like, here's this guy that played football for a living at the highest level, won a Super Bowl, and he's like, I just got to figure out how to not miss my kids' games. And, you know, and I'm like, well, what am I doing? You know, that kind of thing. I, I think about that all the time. Like, and, and my kids think it's cool and they like going to the games and all that, but then it's also like, you know, what am I doing? I'm missing all this stuff for this sometimes. You know, I really I struggle with that sometimes. I do. Oh, yeah. Well, hey, you, that's the thing, like, Co- there's a lot of coaches that don't know how to balance it. They can't balance like having being a part of their family and having their kids know what they look like and still coach a team. But there's plenty of guys that can do it too. So that's the cool thing. Like there's, I told you, like I know I've told you how much I respect Luke Fickle. Luke was my linebacker coach at Ohio State, head coach yeah. in Cincinnati. Now, like he's gonna, who knows how many jobs? Like how many jobs is that dude gonna get offered this off season? Oh, like all every, of them, if they're open, all of them offered it. Yeah, yeah, and I, and he's probably gonna turn them all down because he, Luke is like, the, well, I've, I've said it all the time. Like Luke's the toughest guy I've ever come across. Like he is, three time state champ wrestler in high school. Played the Rose Bowl his senior year with a torn peck that he tore like two days before wrestling in the locker room. Like this dude is just a freak and he's crazy smart and he's a, just an awesome human. But he's got six kids. He loves what he's doing in Cincinnati. And like I, I, I know Michigan State threw a bunch of money at him and he said no. So I think it's cool. Like I, there's probably only a couple jobs he would leave for. And um, I, yeah, it's just there's there's guys that can do it. Like what what is that job now? I mean, because it's like. It seems like Ryan Day is going to be there for a long time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I talked to Luke like so, you know it's, that shows you what kind of guy Luke is too. So last um, last fall, my son was playing a flag football league, and the last weekend of the, the league they played at, in Cincinnati, and they played one game in the morning at Paul Brown, and then uh, in the afternoon at Cincinnati at Nippert Stadium, yeah, where the, where the Bearcats played. So I was working a game somewhere. I flew directly right to Cincinnati. I, went and met them all, everybody at Nippert. And I, or no, I went to yeah, Paul Brown, then Nippert. And I sent Luke a text when I was walking in. I was like, hey, oh, what's up? He's like, oh, what are you doing? I said, oh, my son, I actually about the stadium. My son is, um, my son has a flag football game here. I said, where's your, where's your facility? Is it like connected? He's like, yeah, it's actually the tower right over that you're standing in front of. And then he's like, well, let me, let me, I'm going to stop by. And Luke comes down. They they legit, I think, had won an overtime game the night before somewhere on the road. Got in like at four in the morning. This was probably one in the afternoon, and he was about to start his team meeting. He, he walks down the field, and I give him a hug and talk to him for a while, and he pumps my son up a little bit and sends him on his way. And, of course, it's the head coach of Cincinnati, and people around there love him. And Luke's right, yeah. trying to dodge all the people and everything. I'm just trying to talk to him, and then they want to take pictures with him. And I'm like, I'm sorry, man. Like, I didn't. <laughs> What the, I know you got to get to your team meeting. He's like, come on, this is, you know, he's like, I, how would I not come down and see you? So like, that's how Luke is. And you know, 98% of other coaches would never respond. He'd be like, come on, are you kidding me? This is, we just had a whole, we want, I got a game plan already for next week. We just want a hard fought game. What's he doing? Even contacting me. Like, that's what most coaches yeah, would think. Yeah. I, I think it's, and it's, you've done an incredible job yourself and luke's another person that doesn't get caught up with how 
important they think they are. Like you, you always, you always kind of rolled your eyes at that. And where did that, where'd that come from? How'd you figure out how to do that? Cause everybody's mm-hmm. telling you how important you are everywhere you go all the time. How'd you figure that out? Um, I guess I just, whatever, whatever people say, I never believe them anyway, right or wrong. I never believe anything anyone says really. I always am skeptical. No, I mean, I don't think that really, <laughs> but, um, uh, no, I mean, I was the youngest of three boys. I never thought of it at the time, but yeah, all they did pound on me. I'm still scared to death of my oldest brother. Like that dude, he's a big elect- electrician back in Dayton, and he is he is quiet. He will like I respect so much how he carries himself. That dude, he's super happy, but he'll never tell you. You'll never know. He doesn't say anything really unless you speak to him. But then when you speak to him, like he'll give you amazing conversations. He'll probably find this podcast and listen to it. He all like he'll t- he'll listen to shows that I've done. That I have no idea he he ever would listen to it. And like two months later, he'd be like, "Oh yeah, oh did you? Oh yeah, I heard you said that one podcast that you cried, huh?" Like stuff like that. He just he'll always mess with me, and and I'm still scared of his big old meat claws he has for hands punching me. It gives me PTSD thinking about it. But yeah, maybe it's probably that. And my I was. So lucky, man. My my coaches from a young age all the way through until the end of playing, I've been really lucky, man. Like my high school coaches, I would do anything for them. Like I have so much respect for those guys, and they were so hard on us. Like everything, we, I don't know how I got through it. I'm so glad I did, but I love those guys. They were so, they never let up an inch, and I think I even at the moment, like it, it wasn't always the most fun, but man, I loved every second of it and would do anything for those guys. Yeah. I mean, it, it's it's cool that you've been able to experience the amount of things that you've been able to experience, but then had the wherewithal to uh, enjoy it and and those type and 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 know that this is special and soak it up too. Um, it's just a it's a cool way that you've decided to organize your life and and to keep what's important what's important. Uh, you know, you and I have talked about that all the time. Like it, it used to freak me out when you guys would be walking out to practice during training camp, and I see these other dads like lined up at those gates, wearing like other grown men's last names on their backs. Like that's weird to me. I don't. And you're, they're teaching their kids to idolize you guys, and then you and I are looking at each other like, if they knew some of these dudes, like. like <laughs> <laughs> that type of thing, and it's just a refreshing take that you had to be literally what these dudes fantasize about all the time. You are that person. You you're living that life, and you're just like, yeah. It's the the world. The universe does not revolve around me. And well, I mean, I think I I was lucky enough for some reason to have some perspective where I honestly think a lot of people that are in the NFL or coaches or players like they legit think that every single person on the planet watches football every Sunday. Like they really think like they, I was like, no, there's a huge, there's a huge part of the population that doesn't watch football. doesn't care. Like no matter what you do, there's plenty of people that don't care what you do. And like, I think some people get so caught up in this football window or there's like this football world that they just assume everybody is all consumed with everything that you're doing. I'm like, no, it's not the case, man. There's a lot of stuff going on out there. How did you figure that out? Uh, I never thought, I never, I guess, really gave it, or I always maybe felt that way, but I never really said it or thought it, I guess. I don't know. That's a good question. Maybe I should try to figure that out, huh? 
Yeah, because it needs to get <laughs> contagious. That is, and now everything is the perfect storm to make you think the world is centered, and you're the center <laughs> of the universe. What is it? The when Matthew McConaughey on True Detective, when he was just like, "It's a, you know, we've convinced it's all for me. Look at the universe." It's all. And you're like, you're like, I'm an idiot. I walk around and think that the majority of the time I just look at everything. Well, what's that mean to me? And it's like, it means nothing to you. You're, it's not about you, you idiot. And I have to have that feeling all the time because I'm stupid and selfish. But. <laughs> well, awareness is the, the greatest. Like, I don't care if you could tell me what two plus two is. If you have self-awareness. Like I, we, there's value. You have plenty of value. Like that's the number one thing. If you have awareness, like you could figure everything else in the world out. You could be, you could ace the SATs and ACT, but if you don't have awareness, like good luck, good luck going about your life. I mean, maybe you could go and there's definitely room for you. We could use your smarts, maybe, you know, developing a COVID vaccine or, you know, locked away in a lab doing math equations, but right. good luck, intera- good luck interacting with people and trying to, to, to live like a somewhat normal life. There was this thing we did a couple years ago here when we were, you know, we had a rough spot and we were trying to get things back on track. And so I did this, like, survey. Like, we have, like, the five words, you know, that are, it's, it's uh, you know, it's like toughness and trust and, uh, you know, team and leadership and, you know, all those types of things. And, and so, like, I asked everybody in the football program like all the coaches the equipment managers the trainers the athletic director everybody a scale one to five what do you think about this kid in these five domains you know give them a five if they're like you know tim tebow and give them a one if they're the worst you've ever seen right and so i I averaged out all of their scores and then i asked the kid the same thing about himself and I'd be like, and then I sat each kid down in the office, and I'd be like, "All right, so you gave yourself a five in teammate, and the collective program, like not this one guy that you're convinced it just doesn't like you or your position coach or whatever. Like every single person in this program said you're a two. Like what do you like? And I just made them like look themselves in the mirror, you know. And it was a really interesting social experiment to go with those i think that's awesome that you i mean that's a lot of work to do it but it i'm sure it was very helpful it'd be i'm sure it was super hard for those guys to hear it firsthand if they're not, they weren't what they thought they were but the the good thing is though like the guys that matter like they're gonna take that and yeah it's gonna be suck and they could deny it and all these guys don't know what they're talking about but they're only gonna be bothered because they know deep down it's true there's some right. truth to it right I think the biggest, the biggest motivator or needle mover or whatever is to belong in your tribe, right? It is to be socially accepted in the locker room or whatever your your place of origin or meeting place is with all the people in your in your group and if you can I don't want to say weaponize that, but if you can you can put that and make them see that, like, nah, you, you don't, you're not really held to that esteem in this group, and you can manipulate and change behavior really, really quickly. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, it's all guys. I mean, it's yeah, guys definitely want like the praise from the outside and from the media and fans. But the main thing people, guys, truly care about is just having the respect of their teammates and their peers, like the teammates and coaches. Like, do they respect me? Do they know that I'm an accountable dude and I'm going to be there if they need me? Like, that's 
ultimately all that matters. Do you see you got you got three boys and you got one girl? Does one does the girl like receive appreciation differently than the boys do? Like you know, young men mostly, and we make kids to, like you know the 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 old like marriage quiz, like the five love languages. Yeah, yeah. Like we make kids take that test when they come in. Nice. Like, I make them take nice. it, and. Like it's overwhelmingly affirmation. Like they want verbal that a boys. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. And it's interesting. It's like and, and and then I haven't done it a ton with female athletes, but I've done a little bit. And affirmation is it's 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 there, but it's much less. Like a lot less with females. Like affirmation. It's almost like cats. It's like cats and dogs. Like dogs, they like they get excited. They want you to be like, come here. And a cat could just like take you or leave you. Like it doesn't care. You know. Yeah. Do you you see that with your kids? Like how? Like is there a specific way? Or if you not, you know, if you if you haven't thought about it, one come to mind. Like, you know, this kid's like he this he lives for me to say great job. Yeah, well, yeah, it's yeah, it's so funny. The different personalities of each kid. My daughter, she's the oldest. She's nine, and I mean, recently, I remember I've I've talked to her about it because she's kind of, you know, for the last like six months, she's feels like she's like made a big step, like she's grown up a lot. And I tell her that all the time. I'm like, I'm like, her name's Lennon. I'm like, Lennon, it's sad. You gotta slow down. Like you're you're so old. You're like a grown woman to me. It's terrible. You're gonna be in college before we know it. It makes me sad. She's like, come on, dad, I'll be fine. But like, I tell her though, a lot of times I'll tell her, I'll make sure I really pump her up. Like that's, I definitely don't want her to have like a, you know, I want her to have a lot of confidence. And I know sometimes that gets beat out of girls young. People want to, it's just terrible. It comes from other girls a lot of times. They want to like have negative self-talk about them. And that's just something I can't deal with. I don't like any like negative self-talk, but um, I'll tell her, I'll be like, I'll be talking to her and just tell her how proud I am of her. We just got a call from her teacher and teacher said how great she's been and all this stuff. She's helping out kids in class. I'll, I'll tell her, like, Hey, you know, I just want to let you know, like, I'm, uh, I'm so proud of you. It's so awesome. You know, I'm so appreciative. You're an awesome daughter. I just tell her like positive things and she gets kind of weird and kind of like turns away almost like she can tell she wants it. She likes it, but she doesn't know how to like accept it. And I started talking to her about it. I'm like, I'm like, Lenny, you, like you get all, you get all weird. Like when I start saying good things to you, don't you? Like when I try to tell you like good things you've been doing, why do you get all like awkward and weird? And then she gets like weird, and she's like, I don't know. Like she just, she doesn't know how to like, yeah. how to, how to, how to like accept it, I guess. But she also needs that too. So like I'm not gonna stop. But then my sons, my boys are all so different from each other. But my seven year old, he is like, uh, I don't know why. We don't know how he's like this, but he is such like. Uh, He's just such a good dude. He has a, such a sweetheart and always wants to help everybody. He's, he's actually he's probably a, probably gonna be the best athlete of all of our, our boys too. We don't know. My youngest is only three, and he's a little savage. So we, we're we'll see what he's he'll be yeah. in jail or he might be playing sports. We'll see what he does. He loves physicality, and if you even act like you're gonna wrestle him or whatever, he gets so juiced. But um, my seven-year-old son, he's he's good, and you know he, he plays well in his little basketball and flag football games and everything. But he is he always he loves doing things and throwing. The, we throw the frisbee in the yard and throw the football. And if he drops a ball, his whole world like he'll lose it and just be like, oh my gosh, I can't believe I dropped it. Oh my, he's like, ah. and I'm like, bud, what? Why I'm always, but it doesn't matter. Just stand up, catch the next one. I try to like use it, but he gets, 
he is so worried about letting us down or letting anyone down. And it's funny because I'm like, we would never, we've never once put that pressure on him. Like to, that we would be upset if you dropped a ball or you did something like that. Mm-hmm. So it's just, it's just how he was born, man. It's, it's great. He's super competitive. Um, but it's just how they kind of, I guess how they interact and how they handle things. He does handle, he handles compliments different than my daughter for sure. Like I'll be like, I'm like, yeah, sweet catch. And he's like, oh, yeah, thanks, bro. Like, he tries to act all cool. I oh, appreciate you, Dad. Gives me a little fist bump. Yeah, thanks, man. Like, he knows. And sometimes he gets cocky. Sometimes, yeah, exactly. Sometimes he gets cocky and everything. I'm like, oh, man, your hair looks sweet, man. If he, he goes and gels his hair, your hair looks good. He's like, yeah, I, he's like, I know. I know, Dad. I'm like, okay, cool, bud. I'm like, yeah, it's funny. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, listen, I don't want, want to keep you away from your family. All I know you're doing – you're doing radio and you're doing stuff all day long and keeping you busy. So, but listen, I, I super, super appreciate, um, you being on this and, and, and sharing some things and what's important to you and, and, and keeping in touch with me over the years, man. I, it's seriously, it's, uh, much appreciated and, and I'm humbled that some, um, a man of your stature and the contacts and people that you could reach out to and all that sort of stuff, um, that you, that you get, get, cut out some time for us over here hey i appreciate it man it was, it was fun you i uh yeah like the pith and different stories that happened in cincy i don't i don't forget them but i just don't think about them as often so it's always good to to uh refresh some of those awesome memories yeah man Absolutely. i could talk to you all night long about those memories or pick your brain about Packers stories and all that kind of stuff, but we I won't do it. I, we'll have to do that another time. We'll where do that can again. people? All right, where can people find all things uh, oh, AJ man. Hawk Media? Oh boy, that's a great question. Uh, a good, I don't know. That's I don't. I'm not really big on I don't, having anything I don't to put. <laughs> Go to I guess I, I'm not very active on social media, so my Twitter handle is official AJ Hawk. You'll see me tweet every couple of weeks, maybe. Um, and I'm trying to get more active on there. But no, I mean, honestly, everything I do, I'll go to YouTube and go to Pat McAfee show on YouTube. That's where I'm at every day. And I'll be working some games on weekends. They're showing those on all the like the Fox Sports regionals uh, around the country when I'm doing Conference USA games. I only have two or three left this year. Um, but yeah, that's, Are you still doing that's where podcast? I'll be. Oh yeah, like that's see that's the problem too. Because I've been doing this more, like I I'm doing it. I just haven't put one out in a while. It's booking guests, man. You know, like look, I I feel terrible. It took me forever to confirm and come on here. But like I yeah, I've just I, you know like yeah. it's tough to it's to hard. cold cold email people, reach out to people, and I and yeah, for me, I, I absolutely am not going to stop doing my podcast. But it's uh, I'm definitely not. I'm not following the. Uh, the path you're supposed to really and just consistently putting out episodes. Uh, but I need to, to get to that soon. So I, I got to start getting creative and figuring out how I'm going to, how I'm going to get some more people and have more consistent guests. Yeah, man. Well, I, I can't wait. And, um, I'm glad that you were able to see the herd play a couple times this year. And if, uh, you know, if you, if you're ever covering a game and I'm not working, I'm watching it. <laughs> all right man I, let me see oh yeah i got your charlotte game oh dude that's a, that's a big deal here in a couple weeks so next week that's so yeah. uh, 20 yeah. yeah we got the this saturday's 75 game so it's the 50th anniversary oh. of the crash actually on the day of the game no 14th so it's a big 
big big deal this week and then that if we can take care of business that week it'll be to to clinch the this side of the conference when you when when aj hawk rolls into town sweet yeah man i'll be there Twelve thirty kickoff it looks like <laughs> yeah man hey i really appreciate it and uh have a great night sounds good thanks man good talking to you <laughs>